morning. We hope you had a great Christmas, and it's hard to believe that today is December 1st. We are into December, and we want to remind you of two things this morning. Uh, one is it's the first Sunday of the month, and a thing we started a few months ago, uh, in lieu of our normal Connect class, we're doing this thing called Discover TBC. It's after the second service, so after this service, immediately after, there is lunch served up in room 315, and uh, we tell you the history of the Bible chapel, and really we just want to help people get better connected here at our church. So if you've been coming, is this your first time? for a couple weeks, a couple years, and you've yet to get connected or really hear the history of our church, Ron or I, as part of that, give a tour of the building as we share the history of our church and where we're headed. So, so join us. If you didn't register, no problem. Join us today after service for Discover TBC. Also, if you are a senior high student, a parent of a senior high student or a parent of a junior high student, we ask you, we really need your input. So we are doing a survey right now as we continue to pray and discern the best programming next year, uh, how we line that up for our student ministry to best minister to them and best reach as many students for Christ as possible. So if you can take the time, it takes a few minutes, biblechapel.org slash survey. And for the next two weeks, we need as many parents and students as possible to take that survey so we can have a well-informed network to help us make decisions moving forward. All right, let's pray before we jump into God's word. Father, we thank you for today. And God, we are humbled each time we as a body can gather across our campuses and worship the name of Jesus Christ. The name, as we just sang here in the South Hills, that, that there is no rival, there is no equal to the name of of Jesus. And Father, as we enter this Advent season, as we remember that first coming of Christ, Father, we do not want to go through the motions. We desire for every person in this room, every person joining us online and across our campuses to experience a real Christmas. So Father, as we dig into your word to kick off this series, as always, we pray that you would guide us this morning. Therefore, let the words that come out of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be honoring and pleasing to you, O God. We commit this time to you now in Christ's name. Amen. So the artist Kanye West has dominated the news the past few months, has dominated social media. Kanye, who, who used to record albums that had blasphemous and vulgar lyrics, including a period of time where he referred to himself as Jesus, which is a direct mockery of Jesus Christ. Yet this past year, he says that he has had a transformation in the Lord. He, he boldly proclaims now Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He, he, he did this album called Jesus is King, which is at the top of the billboard charts. And his traveling Sunday services as part of the Jesus is King tour has become a national phenomenon. Many uh, news outlets and late night hosts have, have interviewed Kanye and been shocked, been shocked by his bold proclamation that his life now is for God and his commitment to Jesus Christ. And, and many doubt the authenticity of his newfound faith. One uh, late night show host and comedian, James Corden, did a plain interview with him during his traveling Sunday services. And in that interview, James, I feel like as it went on, was starting just to ask questions he had for himself. Can someone really transform like that to God? Check out a minute from that interview. What do you say to people who would say, and there will be people that will say, I don't believe it. 
I don't believe the reawakening of that Kanye is saying he's having. I don't believe if I look at the last two, three, four, five years of his life, I don't believe that this can be as uh, night and day as it is. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's that, you, that you would be one day living your life in one way and now saying everything is for this. I'm not sure I believe it. What would you say to those people? Well, I'd say when you go to sleep, would you agree that you are asleep when you are asleep? And when you wake up, would you agree that you are awake when you are awake? Yeah. Would you agree that, that those are two different states? People who don't believe are walking dead. They are asleep. And this is the awakening. Regardless of anybody's view of Kanye, his, his story has people asking serious spiritual questions. I was captivated by the authenticity of James Gordon's questions throughout that interview. And he says, I mean, seriously, Kanye, it's hard to believe that someone who not wasn't just looking to God, but literally was living opposed to God can all of a sudden have this transformation and now you're, you're all in for him. Can someone really be that dead in their sin and all of a sudden be alive for Christ? Is that possible? The answer is yes. Not because Kanye West says so, but because God's word says so. Kanye, in his own words, says someone who does not believe in God, has not trusted in Christ, they are walking dead, spiritually walking dead. And what God has done in his life is what he calls his awakening. Long before Kanye, I believe even a better example in scripture was the Apostle Paul, who he, by the name of Saul, lived completely opposed to God's work. He, he not only uh, persecuted Christians, imprisoned Christians, he literally, at the stoning of Stephen, we see him basically celebrating the death of Christians. But yet in one moment with Jesus Christ, his life was transformed. And he followed now hard after Jesus, proclaiming Christ, leader of the New Testament church, penned 13 letters that we now have as books of the New Testament. And in his letter to uh, believers in Ephesus, he speaks about from personal experience this transformation that happens to every believer. Ephesians 2, 1, and you believers, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. And then going to verse four, he says, but... God and God alone, being rich in mercy, not giving us what we deserve because of the great love of which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, there is nothing we could do to earn our way to God. He made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This Advent season... We don't want people going through the motions because an individual, an individual can think they have celebrated Christmas. They can sing songs, they can give out presents, they can go to family dinners, they can even sit right here in a few weeks on Christmas Eve, yet they can be walking dead spiritually, not even come close to experience a real Christmas because you can't experience 
Christmas without Jesus Christ at the center of your life. Over the next five weeks, we're going to examine the themes of Advent. What does real hope look like? What does real peace mean? What, what is real joy? What is real love? And how do, I, how do I know I am being the real me who God created me to be? Our desire is that every person, every person, the unbeliever, will experience their first real Christmas, and we, believers, will live for Christ and not go through the motions another Christmas season. To do so, looking at those themes, we're going to look at certain individuals each week as we examine those Advent themes, starting today with the theme of real hope. And to do so, we're going to look at Joseph in the Christmas story. So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. In the Gospels, we get the story of Jesus' birth in Luke's Gospel and in Matthew's Gospel. Luke is all about telling us really the details of Jesus' birth. Matthew, he's more focused on sharing where did Jesus come from. Luke tells the story of Christ's birth through Mary's eyes. Matthew tells us through the eyes of Joseph. In verses 1 through 17, you think of a camera lens. It's a, it's a zoom-out panoramic view of the history of the genealogy that led to Christ. And then in verses 18 through 25, the lens zooms in right into the family, Jesus' earthly family of Mary and Joseph. Look at verses 18 and 19 to begin. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. If you take those four words from the Holy Spirit out of those verses, this couple is an absolute mess. Absolute mess. Mary committed to Joseph is found to be with child. Joseph knows I never touched her. And he says, therefore, I will divorce her. That word betrothed is kind of the second stage of the process in this first century Jewish culture of marriage. The first stage is this thing called an engagement. It's not like our engagement today. This was really almost like a contractual agreement between the families when the, when the two were very young that they would one day be united. The betrothal period, which typically was called the betrothal year, was when that couple now made their commitment official. When they had the betrothal year, they were considered husband and wife, although they did not live together, nor did they sleep together. And then after that betrothal year, the wedding would take place, step three, and they would consummate the marriage physically. Here in the betrothal period, Joseph, in order to end the relationship, when he finds out Mary is with child, his only option is divorce. Step three, wedding off the table for Joseph. I would say even in our 21st century anything goes culture where open sexuality is celebrated, where marriage is often devalued, I would say this scenario of Mary being pregnant while committed to Joseph would still be scandalous in our anything goes culture. But imagine what it would have been like for these two in their anything does not go, 
abide by God's rules, first century Jewish culture. Scripture says that Mary was found to be with trout. Uh, Luke's account says that she was overwhelmed when she got the news. I often wonder who was the first one that Mary told. Imagine being her parents and she comes with this story. Parents, if your daughter came up to you and told you this story, I would think the dog ate my homework is way more believable than God produced the child within me. Mary was in a tough spot. But we're reminded by Matthew, Joseph's spot was not any easier. According to verses 18 and 19, it seems that he has no idea yet that the Holy Spirit had produced this child within Mary. And he is stuck in a tough situation. In one moment, the woman that he had been committed to for years, who he had planned that he was going to nurture and grow a family with, in one moment he learns she is with child, and I never touched her. That can only mean someone else had. Joseph's hopes and dreams with Mary seem gone. We're not exactly told how, how Joseph initially found out that Mary was with child, but regardless, how would you feel, men, if you got that news? Humiliated? Outraged? Matthew doesn't give us the details of those emotions of Joseph, but it's hard to believe those never boiled up within him. How would you respond to Mary? How should he respond? In what seems to be a hopeless situation, Joseph being a just man, meaning a righteous man, says here, Matthew, that he resolved, meaning Joseph came to the point that he willingly desired to do what was still best for Mary. Envision the weight of his decision. As a righteous man, he has God's law that he cannot break, telling him, Joseph, you must point out her sin. Sin cannot go unpunished, and he knows that could mean the stoning of Mary. On the other shoulder, being a righteous man, he has the mercy and compassion of God towards Mary. He, he does not want to make things hard for her. So he comes to the resolved decision internally, I'll just divorce her quietly. I believe that was his medium between the, the law of God and the mercy and compassion of God. I wonder if I could have had the same resolve as Joseph or would I have wanted to call Mary out? I'll humiliate you now. As we pick up in verse 20, Although he had resolved to this decision, it seems he's still battling with it. As verse 20 picks up and says, while he considered these things, Joseph finally gets the answer he needed. Look at verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived as her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph, still wrestling with this internal decision that I have to divorce Mary, 
finally gets the missing link from this angel of the Lord. Some believe this is the angel Gabriel who also spoke to Mary in the, in the Luke account. We're not sure, but he gets that missing piece. Mary's pregnancy is not adultery. This child has been produced through the Holy Spirit. We can never, never, never get over or lose our hunger or lose our wonder or lose the awe of the fact that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, became a little child in the womb of Mary. God's love for you and I on full display was that first advent when he took the pre-existent son of God. The word birth in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ, the literal word is Genesis. It means now the Genesis of Jesus Christ, just like the book of the Bible, Genesis, the beginning. That does not mean the beginning of the existence of God's son because he is the pre-existent eternal son of God. No, no, no. Matthew's saying the beginning of the Holy Spirit's work to take the second person of the Trinity, God himself, and form him into a child. In the womb of Mary, Jesus, like we are, Psalm 139, was fearfully and wonderfully made human with blood and bones and lungs, formed a heart with lips and lymph nodes and little feet and hands, a head, a distinctive look about him. Luke's account says that that the Spirit of God overshadowed Mary's womb, just like the Holy Spirit overshadowed the waters in the Genesis account. God himself overshadowed the womb of Mary as God took the Son of God and formed him into a child. If that doesn't give one chills, I don't know what will. In the four words that says from the Holy Spirit is what distincts Jesus from every other child that was born. Because Jesus was conceived from God, he avoided the imputation of sin for man. Scripture says in Romans 3.23 and Romans 5.12 that every person is born into sin. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, every single person is born a sinner, but not Jesus, because he was formed by the Holy Spirit. That's why John says in 1 John 3, 5, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. Only Jesus, fully God, fully man, could be that perfect sacrifice to take our place on the cross. That's why Jesus, the incarnation right here, is the gift of God for you and for me. Only by the incarnation of Jesus do we have hope of salvation. Can you, can you imagine when Joseph woke up from that dream? Not only is his marriage restored, he's thinking, oh boy, this child in my wife is the Messiah. The one that I've been taught as a young man the one that our nation longs for, the Messiah, the Son of God, is growing in Mary's womb. 
And in verse 20, we also get an understanding of why Joseph's role is important in all of this. So Luke and Matthew both provide uh, genealogies of Jesus. And there's a lot of discussion on those genealogy and how exactly Jesus comes from the line of David as was prophesied in the Old Testament. All we know is this, that, that Jesus indeed was the Messiah and he came from the line of David. And we know from Matthew why Joseph's role is important. It's all in verse 20 as well. It's how the angel addresses Joseph. He says, Joseph, son of of David. Interestingly, only Joseph, except for Jesus, he's the only person in the Gospels referred to as a son of David. Back in verse 16, Matthew made it clear that Jesus is not the biological father of Jesus because he said, Joseph, the husband of Mary, making sure that we know that Jesus is produced by the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to legal ancestry and status, Joseph plays a critical role. How? Look at verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, meaning they did not physically consummate the marriage until after the birth of Jesus, until she had given birth to a son, and he, Joseph, called him Jesus. This humble carpenter, as Luke says, from the house of David officially welcomed this child into his home by officially taking Mary as his wife, and he named the child, bestowing upon Jesus as a son of David, Joseph, the direct lineage of that line, that Jesus was officially, legally now, an heir of David, just as promised. So in guard to real hope, I think that Joseph's story is another example that in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of doubt, and probably in the midst of pain in his life at times, God sovereignly has a plan for our lives. So I want to look as we transition here to ourselves in regard to real hope, what can we take away from Joseph's story when we talk about hope? Remember from the Advent video, at hope means a desire, a desire for something to occur in our life that has expectation for it. Well, I believe from Joseph's account here, we see three areas where we can have real hope, meaning complete confidence that these three things will happen only because they're in Jesus. Here's the first one. Real hope for eternity is secured by trusting in Jesus Christ. How many of you have Maybe an item on your Christmas list that is top for you, that you have something you desire for Christmas, you told your spouse or parent, I'll admit it. Anybody else want to admit it? Do you have a gift that's kind of the top of your list? Me and one other person. Man, you guys are so holy. <laughs> uh, I told my wife, I want a chainsaw this Christmas. And she said, why? You're not going to cut any trees down. I said, you're probably right, but it sounds manly and cool. So that's what I... That's what I want. Uh, everyone wants the new iPhone maybe or new tablet, whatever's out there. Our son Ezra, he's six. He wants a toy from Ryan's World. Anyone ever heard of Ryan's World? Parents do. I see parents. It's the number one YouTube channel. Millions upon millions upon millions of views. And it's literally this kid Ryan who plays with toys with his parents. I told Kristen, geez, why didn't we think of that ingenious idea, right? That's all it takes. Every child... And if we're honest, every one of us, there's something we want under the tree this year. 
but we also know this is true. We talk about it every Advent. All that stuff, it's temporal. That's the one thing every gift has in common. All that stuff is temporal. The top Christmas gift this year will be forgotten by next year. Apple will have a new iPhone probably by July. Only Jesus Christ offers sustaining hope because his gift of salvation lasts forever. The name Jesus means the salvation of Yahweh. It was actually a fairly common name in the first century. Uh, Josephus, the historian, he mentions 12 different men in his writings named Jesus. It was a common name, but only Jesus Christ could live up to the meaning. Only the Son of God who took on flesh, Jesus Christ, could actually save his people from their sins. If the angel would have said to save God's people, some might have thought, well, that's for the Jewish nation alone. But it's not about belonging to Abraham. It's not about belonging to David. The question is, do you belong to Jesus Christ? Without a doubt in your mind, without a doubt in your heart, can you say, I am one of Jesus' people? Do you belong to Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ alone as your Lord and Savior? Because forget having some hope for your eternity. You have zero hope to spend eternity with the living God if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ alone as your Lord and Savior. This could be the Christmas that you experience your first real Christmas by understanding that God loved you so much he sent his son in the form of man, born sinless, lived a sinless life to go to the cross and die for your sin. And will you trust in Jesus Christ alone as your Lord and Savior this Christmas and experience real hope for the first time for your eternity? Number two, we also see from Joseph that real hope for comfort is only experienced in relationship with Jesus. Matthew quotes in verse 22, the prophet Isaiah, who said 700 years before Jesus that the Messiah would become literally God with us. I love that word Emmanuel because it simply puts Jesus' deity and humanity together. God himself with us. Jesus walked this earth. Scripture says he cried like you and I do in times of pain. Scripture says he, he was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted, yet he lived without sin. Jesus understands you more than you can even understand yourself. And I know many in this room, this Christmas is going to be hard this year. We've had so many deaths across the Bible Chapel community this year. I was talking to another campus pastor this week, and we, we know, we call them celebration services because we know as believers, they're going to be with the Lord. But we were saying, man, it was just overwhelming in 2019. We pray we have less funerals in 2020. Some of you maybe lost a father, a mother, a husband, a wife. Some of you lost a child. Some couples lost a pregnancy. The empty seat at, at Christmas dinner is going to be extra hard 
this year. Maybe for others it was a, a job loss and you don't know what's next. Broken relationships, uncertainty for your future. I believe Joseph understood uncertainty and pain because we don't know how long that, while he considered these things, time was. Could have been hours, could have been days, it could have been weeks till God revealed to him the truth of Mary's pregnancy. If you find yourself in need of comfort this Christmas, I pray you cling to the promise that the angel gave Joseph, that your Savior is literally God with you. He's with you every day. Praise God that he gives us, many of us family, friends, a church body who's called to comfort one another. But man, every waking and sleeping hour of your life, God is with you because of Jesus Christ. God reminds us in Romans 8, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that he has for you because you are in Christ Jesus. And God is literally within you because scripture says when you trust in Jesus, his Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart. And when you hit those moments this Christmas where you don't even know how or what to pray for, cling to this truth from Romans 8. The Spirit helps us in our weakness for we don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself, if you think that God truly loves you, cling to these words, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Look to God for comfort. Wash yourself with his word. Cast your, your cares on him. Tell a brother or sister in Christ. He loves you and he will comfort you. That's our promise of real hope in Christ. Real hope is secured in Jesus for eternity. Real comfort is only experienced in the comfort of Jesus in relationship with him. And the last one switches from receiving to giving, and it's at this. Real hope this Christmas for others is given only when we share Jesus. Interesting, in church tradition, Joseph earned the nickname Quiet Joseph. Why? Because the guy never speaks. You don't see one word from Joseph in Scripture. But man, do his actions speak loud. If you keep reading in Matthew, he follows God's direction for his family when he says to go and come back and do this. Joseph was a just man, Scripture says. He was a righteous man because he was obedient, beginning with the command to take Mary as your wife and Joseph, you get to name my son. When our son Ezra was born, he was the first grandchild on both sides of our family, and he was the first great-grandchild on my side, the Didonados, the 100% Italian side. So we knew we were having a boy. We didn't keep that a secret, but we kept his name a secret because if you haven't noticed, Ezra is not the biggest Italian hit, right? It's not top on the Italian names. We just didn't want anybody to sway us 
on the DiDonato side. So when our son was born, uh, we were so excited. Family rushed into the room. Did they ask how Kristen's doing? No, they said, what's the boy's name, right? <laughs> what's his name? And we said his name's Ezra. Never forget, uh, my grandma Blanche wasn't there. I called her and she asked, what's his name? I said, his name's Ezra. She gave me a one-word response. Oh. (laughs) I don't know how to take that one. But they asked us, why'd you name him Ezra? And we said, man, we love Ezra of the Bible. He was a man of God's word. His name means helper. So he needs to know he needs to do chores early on in his life, right? Now, we said his name means helper, and our desire is for him to grow as a, a young man who helps others through God's word. I was thinking this week, can you imagine family, friends, and they're traveling, Joseph and Mary taking Jesus, and people saying, is that your son? Yeah. What's his name? His name is Jesus. Oh, Joseph, why'd you name him Jesus? And with real hope, Joseph says, because he's the Messiah. He will save his people from his sins. You want to talk about giving real hope this Advent? How many of us are going to introduce people to Jesus? I think about in this room alone, think about the collective man hours in this room alone that we will spend on researching presents, buying presents, wrapping presents, giving presents, and then most likely returning some presents. That's all great. That's good stuff, fun stuff. But man, what if we spent the same amount of man hours in this room sharing Jesus with people this year? Talk about the eternal impact the real hope we could distribute if we would walk up to people and say, can I introduce you to Jesus? The one who forever changed my life. The one who is Lord of my life. The one who who gives me the real hope because I know where I'm going. Can, Can I introduce you to Jesus because he's the only one who can take away your sin. When we share that, we also, in our own way, share our testimony. We share our story of how Christ has had an impact on our lives. Throughout this series, we're going to see some testimonies and videos from from members in the congregation who who have gone through circumstances in the past during the Christmas series and how their faith got real, that in the midst of uncertainty and doubt, God showed up. I want you to check out this video of Steve and Christine Ross. Steve was on the piano uh, this morning. The Rosses faithfully have served on our worship team for years. Uh, The full video is on our website and on social media this week. But just check out this short clip from that testimony video on their real hope through Christ during past Christmases. Check this out. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm Christine. And we are... The Rosses. Two of the Rosses. (laughs) It was 2003, I was working for a very large company and we, big enough company, we had a Christmas party some Friday in December, everything was fine, normal Christmas party stuff until Monday morning following 
Monday morning, they announced that they are closing the division. Well, I had attended that Christmas party and were, was meeting some of his work colleagues for the first time. So when he came home and announced that the division was closing, that was a big surprise, um, especially since I was pregnant with our third child. And uh, it brings up a lot of uncertainty in your mind where things were quite stable for a long time. Um, we had a lot of blessings, a lot of family in our lives, a lot of things going for us. And then when something's pulled out from under you, you get a little bit shaken. Our first child, Emily, is um, now almost 23, but back in the day um, when I was pregnant with her, it was we went through the Christmas season and came out of the Christmas season and everything was going well. And um, I ended up getting a rare form of preeclampsia and had to deliver her three months early. So um, I had just signed up for birth, birthing classes and I was getting ready to um, prepare for a birth and she was born. And we were thrust into a very different world of premature uh, delivery and, and, and ICU hospitalization and ups and downs, the roller coaster that happened then. And through all of that, um, God had proven himself faithful in so many ways. We had learned, you know, even in our early 20s to rely on him for so many different things. Some of the things that I had either read my whole life in the Bible or songs that I had heard um, that I knew that they were truth but they took on a new meaning like um, even if I'm being truthful even songs that were corny or maybe I thought this is kind of a you know an old-fashioned song man the lyrics on some of those songs just really hit me because it's like wow, this is really the truth. So it didn't seem quite as corny anymore when I was like, man, there, there really is, you know, he can make beauty from ashes and, and things like that. And this is true. And it just takes on a whole new meaning. Because I, I think you just get closer to God when you go through stuff. And um, that was definitely, um, scriptures took on a new meaning. The ones about perseverance really took on a, on a new meaning for me. Um, it wasn't just just words. It was it was really a deeper meaning because I could feel it. Whether it was uh, losing your job right after the the company Christmas party or your child as the Ross's experience with premature birth, I appreciate the authenticity that, as Christine says, uh, there was uncertainty. At times, they will, they will admit they were shaken through those experiences. And, and then uh, Steve wrapped up, uh, I love when he said, you know, God really can make beauty from ashes. And, and you get closer to God when you go through stuff. And Steve said, a, a man who's led us in, in songs for many years, he says, you know, sometimes those words don't become real that we sing until we actually experience what we're singing. Every person in this room has a different story, all unique. Some of you are experiencing things that I'll never experience. I've experienced things that you'll never experience. So, so what unites this group? Jesus Christ, the one that every person in this room can have real hope for their eternity by trusting in him. The, the only one that every person in this room, we will let each other down. We're called to comfort each other. We're gonna fall short of time. Jesus will never let you down. He's there to comfort you, to 
walk with you every single time. And we have the real hope that those who don't know Christ desperately need. As we close, I want these words just to wash over us as, as we hear from Rick and Tony. We stand in awe of what you've done for us. At the cross, the hope, Jesus, the hope of the world lifted on high. He, he's calling us home with arms out wide. And can you say this from the depth of your heart? To know you forever, Jesus. To love you forever, Jesus. Jesus, you are my everything. For the love poured out for the price of
please stand as we close in prayer. And if you can use prayer in any form or fashion, we will have a team up front who would be uh, blessed and honored to come alongside you and pray with you this morning. Father, I pray that every person in this room, those words we sang in that song that we heard wash over us, all we need is you. Is that a reality in every life in this place? That every person here is trusted in Jesus. That in the darkest of times, in the midst of doubt, uncertainty, and pain, we can still say, the fact that I have you, Jesus, is enough. And God, with those who have the real message of hope, would be motivated and empowered by your spirit to go share that message this Christmas and say to those who have put in our sphere of influence, let me introduce you to Jesus, the one who came to take away the sins of the world. Father, be with us as we go. And God, I pray that you would use us mightily starting this week during the Advent season to proclaim real hope to a lost world. In Jesus' name we pray.